Hello! Friday, September 4th. Football, NFL football is less than a week away. Let's have a feel-good Friday, baby. Great show, a lot of good conversations. If you enjoy the show by the end of it, go ahead and tell a friend about it. If you don't, just act like it never happened. Let's get to it. Let's have a day. I have a uh, from our, a note for, before the interview starts from our research department uh-huh. that AJ does, in fact, have an uh, interception against Phil. Really? It was Whoa. in college. In college, yeah. Wow. NC State played Ohio State? I didn't know that happened. My sophomore year, Phil's senior year. Yeah, we went to triple overtime, and we, we barely won. It was Phil was, a, he was up for the Heisman that year, yeah. Well, Phil Rivers is an absolute stud. Yeah. Is he, is he on? Yes, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, eight-time Pro Bowler, number six all-time in pass yards and TDs in NFL history, a man who's a legend, dadgum Philip Rivers. Yeah! Hey, I love the uh, throwing a dead gum in there to kick it off. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, and I caught a glimpse of the tail end of that. I, mean, I caught the tail end of that story. Yeah, EJ did have a pick that game. That was a, that was one of the all time. I mean, that's still. I mean, that's probably the best one of the best games I've ever been in. It was uh, unbelievable uh, overtime, in the man. shoe that afternoon. Now, Philip, you are known. Everybody that talks about I got a chance to talk to Weddle a little bit about you, and I believe um, uh, there's somebody else that showed up in the DMs to talk about you a little bit. And the common narrative is, hey, this guy loves football, like absolutely loves football. Did you – you've already signed on to be a high school football coach whenever you retire. It, it was alleged that whenever you came and played the Colts one time, the night before the game, you went over to Lucas Oil Stadium to see what high school football in Indiana was like. Is, is Football is just your life. Lifeline, huh? That it always has been, I assume. Yeah, I uh, I've loved the game from an early age. Obviously, Dad being a high school coach, and I was a ball boy and water boy. Uh, as soon as I was uh, big enough to carry the water bottles and spot the ball, so I've been around it since I was little. But yeah, I uh, I love the game. We did we did uh, mosey over there to Lucas Oil and watch a little high school game and and uh, grab a hot dog. I think there on a on a Friday night or Saturday afternoon when we were in town. So. Uh, Anytime there's ball on, it, it, it drives my wife crazy sometimes because she'll go, who's playing? You know, obviously it's a little different this year, but it doesn't matter who's on the TV. There's a ball game on. Uh, I like to check it out. <laughs> I respect it. Phil, is there, I know you're you're set up to become a high school coach in Alabama whenever that time comes. If you Have you thought about any of your current or former teammates that you want to recruit to try to bring on your staff? <laughs> Smart. Hey, it's it's funny you say that because uh, I've even had some coaches mention, hey, by the time you get done, I'll be ready to get out of the league. <laughs> I said, hey, I'll need your resume and have to have to do a thorough interview. But the guy, you know, the guy that keeps me, keeps mentioning to me is Jarrett Johnson. You know, we all remember mm-hmm. Jarrett, obviously, Baltimore Raven and, and a teammate of mine in San Diego. And he lives actually down there in northwest Florida. So I've been uh, – I've been. I got my eye on him. He keeps saying, "I'll come over there and run the run the defense." Uh, but but they all know all the guys that know me. The pro, the hard part for me is going to be not trying to call the defense, the offense, and the special. <laughs> I would be one of those head coaches that drive a D coordinator crazy, uh, trying to you know tell him what to call and what bliss to run. So I'm going to have to have to work on that. Uh, you know, whenever you kind of give uh, duties to other people, you it's kind of a tough thing to do. But let's, I want to talk about you and your energy for football. I've talked to a lot of people in the building, not just players, but you're talking about athletic trainers, equipment managers, people in the front office even. And everybody says, we love Phil. Like, hey, we love Phil. Super competitive. Everybody likes him. Every single day he shows up and wants to be better. Did you 
expect to fall into a situation like the Indianapolis Colts where it's so perfect. You're, you know Frank Reich very well. You know the offensive coordinator very well. You know the system very well. Great offensive line. Good weapons. Good uh, good franchise. Like, Did you expect the Colts to be a place that you were going to land whenever you knew that the Chargers days were probably ending? You know, uh, I wasn't sure, but uh, having, uh, you know, if I was going to leave and go somewhere else, I couldn't think of a better place. And uh, it's one of the things you, 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 you have. A, it was certainly a team I was pulling for. You know, I was hoping, like, shoot, hope, hopefully this is a place that can work out. And uh, for all the reason you mentioned, and I heard nothing but unbelievable things about this locker room and this this team, and, and that's certainly been true. And it was interesting with not having, not meeting some of the guys in person. A handful of us got together and got some work done in the summer, but but not actually stepping foot in the locker room until July 28th or whatever it was was uh, – you know, you're a little uneasy about it, especially when I'd been in a place for 16 years and, and, and been around the same guys. You mentioned the support staff from the trainers to the quitter room. There's just a certain familiarity that you have and and you communicate and interact with those guys. So I was a little bit like, gosh, you know, I, you didn't want to try to force yourself and to be some certain way. You just had to be yourself and kind of ease into it. And uh, I can't say, I mean, I, I'm just very thankful really for how it's gone and the, and the month we've had and how we've come together and grown and still had, you know, built some of that camaraderie because you mentioned, I only know one way and it's that uh, country, corny, energetic <laughs> passion. No, I mean, that's the only way I know. And so uh, I said, shoot, here we go. It's first, you got to be yourself here at 38 in a new place, and, and that's the only way I know. And thankfully, I think it's been well-received, and I've certainly enjoyed getting to know the, the teammates here. You moved your whole family to Florida, which a lot of old white people do whenever they want to retire. <laughs> were you? Was there ever a thought of retirement, or did you know you were going to come back and play? Because there was a lot of question marks in like the media world. Like Nobody knew what was going to happen when he left the Chargers. It was like, what's Phil going to do? He moved to Florida. They're watching where you were moving to. Then the high school football thing happened. It's like, was there ever a thought of retirement, or that super? Bowl, we are going to continue to try to get this thing. Yeah, I, I don't think there was ever a real thought of it. I, I did just feel deep down that my time out west was done, and uh, and that was okay. Uh, but so we moved there kind of just as kind of our holding place. Uh, I still uh, I mean, me and my wife and older daughters talked about, I mean, we kind of talked about the whole thing, like what's the plan? But I, I think it was unanimous. We, we thought keep playing if in fact, somebody wants you, and, and it's a team that's got a chance. Uh, let's let's keep going. So, it, 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 uh, and, and and if it came to that that it, that wasn't the case, and and the cover was dry and it was over, I was okay with that. Uh, but certainly, still excited to keep playing. And now I remember when the whole you know the, the coaching announcement it kind of uh, it's kind of been in the works for the last couple of years as far as I knew the where we were going to end up one day, but. Uh, the way it kind of went down, I remember calling and talking to Frank and Chris both to make sure they were good with it. I was like, hey, is this going to look all right? You know, all of a sudden I'm getting – I just signed to come play quarterback. <laughs> and I'm getting named the head coach at a high school. So uh, they were good with it. You know, it's funny because Frank said, hey, I'm, you've told me you're going to do that since 2013. So it was more so uh, – it was it was the best timing for the program moving forward. And, uh, you know, it was no secret I've always wanted to coach high school ball. But it'll be there whenever whenever the time's right. Hey, but Phil, who's the uh, who's the poor guy that's the head coach now, just waiting for you to come take his game? <laughs> well, so the, the 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 guy that was the head coach there had been a long time head coach in Alabama and actually won some state championships at, at different places and really deserves a ton of credit for getting this program started. It was a brand new program. Last year was the first year of varsity football, so it's a brand new school early on in the stages of the football program. Uh, so he, he, he decided it was time for him to step down. I think he's still involved. And so it was one of those deals. I was talking with the AD and it was, Hey, if there's a young coach in Alabama that you want to go get, go get him, you know, by no means don't feel like you, you owe me anything. 
but they were they were they were all in on having me be a part of it. So the AD is uh, the head coach uh, oh. in the interim and, and, and until I get down there. Oh, I can't wait for those calls after the year. Like, if you, let's say you go on and win it all, obviously, the guy's going to be like, uh, I'm about sick of being head coach. You think maybe, <laughs> maybe you're coming out, well, we got to run it back, dadgummit. The, um, <laughs> Phil, the, the thing, you talked about Frank Reich 2013. I mean, that's seven years ago. You were 16 years with the Chargers. You don't normally see franchise superstar quarterback just kind of end relationship, they move on, you move on, and there hasn't been as much conversation about it, but for me, it was a very weird situation because the team moved cities. There was the story that you didn't move your family. You were driving back and forth in like a, a, a pimped out Sprinter van or whatever. The pictures made the thing. You just kind of knew that your time was coming up there. Like, what was the indication that it was like, you know what, this is probably uh, for, bo- for the both of us kind of just time to move forward? Yeah, I definitely think, uh, you know, I, I was appreciative of the way it was handled uh, as far as it didn't turn into this, yeah. into, uh, you know, a, a big deal in terms of, you know, back and forth and not on the same page. I think really it was going into the, the last season. Um, you know, I played the last year out of my contract, which we were coming off a 2018 season where we had an unbelievable year, obviously get beat in New England. And so uh, if there was a time to extend, it would have been there. Uh, but I, again, and I, I can say that was mutual as well. I, you know, there was some talk about, you know, maybe adding a couple years and then and then there was, oh, well, we don't have to. And I said, shoot, I'm fine. Let's just play it out and see where we all stand. And so uh, we did that. And it wasn't it wasn't the best of years, to say the least. You know, obviously it was uh, it was a it was a rough season. Uh, I certainly didn't have my best year uh, by any means. And uh, I just felt like the time it, it was time. You know, you just felt a little bit of a. I feel uh, in the building that uh, that maybe they wanted to move on, but certainly didn't want it to end messy. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of like, well, shoot, guys, I, I, I think it's time to, you know, as hard as it is. And I hate that I wasn't able to lead that franchise to a championship, but uh, just felt like it was time. And uh, both sides kind of agreed to that. And then here I sit uh, over in uh, 56th Street in Indianapolis right now. So what's it feel like now that we're so close? I, I know the the boys and Pat are very excited. I mean, NFL football. Pumped. Is about to yeah. Pumped. We're, we're Phil, fitting. seven days, Phil. Yeah. Seven yeah. days. Yeah. Let's go. Come on, Phil. I can't watch high school like, football, Phil? but NFL football is back seven days. I'm sorry. Yeah, Andrew. what's it feel like that it's actually here? Like for me, it almost just as a fan now, it feels weird. To, wow, we're right around the corner, man. They're going to be playing some NFL football. Dude, it's it's here. It is here. <laughs> There's a little different vibe in the building, even these last couple of days. I think we, we you just feel game week. Game week's right around the corner. It, you, you you know AJ, all, it's a different feel when it's game week than it is a a, a day 26 of training camp. It yeah. feels different when yeah. you know game week's right around the corner. So um, you know, it's interesting. I was just we were just talking with a couple of guys. It is weird though in the fact that usually you have those preseason games not only for young guys and men and for a lot of us to kind of you know get going and get back a feel of what game feels like and for young guys to obviously get those reps you also get to have a little i kind of call them team bonding experiences you know you get to put on that same uniform you've been going against each other all training camp you actually get to go out there and suit up and pull for your guys you know so we haven't gotten to do that it's been all combative it's been all o versus d now for the whole month so um the first time we take the field together in this exact same color will be uh sunday in jacksonville so the guy it it will be i know it won't be a packed house in the stadium but i don't think there's going to be any lack of juice from from this group we'll be fired up and ready to go and uh just can't wait for it to get here and shoot the guys are the guys are pumped we get a couple days now to kind of to kind of rest you know that weekend before the opening Mm -hmm. weekend is always nice you've had a long training camp uh you get to spend some time with family and relax a little bit and then 
shoot, come come Wednesday, uh, it'll be it'll be a, a game week schedule, which we kind of simulated this week. Frank put that together this week, so we'll be we'll be ready to roll come Wednesday. COVID nineteen isn't the reason I won't be a packed house down there in Jacksonville. They are. <laughs> I mean, I'm pumped for you to go out and put on a show, Phil. You didn't say it, I did. Um, <laughs> Whenever you played with the Chargers, you had one of the most underappreciated and underrespected wide receivers out there in Keenan Allen, right? Nobody ever talks about Keenan Allen. Now you're getting a chance, I think, to learn a lot about T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton is a guy that I was very lucky to see him come in and see him grow and blossom into the Pro Bowl player, but he's very underappreciated league-wide for whatever reason in the last couple years he's been our only focal point so he had double coverages in a lot of situations now you got Pittman in there as well what does he look like and what are your thoughts on T.Y. and getting a chance to build with T.Y.'s relationship T.Y.'s been awesome you know I got to be around him a little bit at the Pro Bowl a couple times but you never really know until you're with a guy every every day you know on the practice field interact in the locker room and and uh you know just shoot chatting it up uh you know so it's it's been here's the thing for me that stands out uh, he's a great player the dude loves to compete i yeah. mean he loves to compete all the time he's competing and uh you know there's something about great players that usually they all have that makeup and that mentality so he has that first and then you throw in the fact that he's a heck of a player unbelievable ball skills uh can still stretch it vertical and then and then you know usually you know guys that are speed guys you know and i'm not that i'm classifying him a speed guy he he does have great speed but you, you, they don't always have great feel. And then, you know, I said this the other day, the best receivers, you mentioned Keenan, but, and, and the others that I've had and been around, um, they all have great feel. They know where the windows are. They know when to throttle a route. They know when a back shoulder's coming. They know all those things. And so that's been something that he has that. So the timing and the understanding, the, the little nuances of routes have been very, they've come very quickly. So it's, it's, it's one of those deals where we've had throughout the camp where we make a play here and there in practice. And it's, you would think, you know, I just feel like you think, oh yeah, so how long have that quarterback and receiver been together? You know, and you tell them four weeks yeah. and they go, there's no way. <laughs> you know, not that it was an unbelievable play. It's just a little subtle, subtlety of a route concept. And we're on the same page because he has such great feel. And then yet I've seen the coverage and that route concept so many times and that, that meshing together. Uh, makes for a good combination. Nice. Phil, I know you, you played for Chuck Amato at NC State, and that guy is iconic, I feel like, on the sidelines. I remember before we played, I was able to play against you my sophomore year, your senior year, you were up for the Heisman, all this stuff, amazing game. I remember my linebacker coach, I'm like, hey, now this head coach, he has a presence about him. I'm just letting you know he's going to be out there. And he's like, and you go out there, and this dude, super tan, slick back hair, sweet shades on, and super barrel oh. chest. Real upper, like, have you ever, is there any other coach you've been around that can bench more than Chuck Amato? <laughs> no, no way. You got it right. I mean, he had the sweet Oakleys. He had the Jordans, you know, he wore the Jordan shoes on the sideline. He, um, you know, in the weight room, there was a, there was a, uh, you know, machine that was built called the Amato Press. I mean, it was the <laughs> Chuck Amato Press. So, I mean, he definitely got his bench press was in incline uh he was he he was awesome but definitely definitely brought the flair and the swagger and uh really you know nc state to that point was up and down and he really kind of got that program kind of on the ascend uh those four years where i was there and he was brand new as a coach and uh kind of turned that turned the whole program in the right direction i heard you're a pretty good cornhole player I'm not. I'm not bad. You know, yeah. I, I had some good runs yeah. uh, this training camp. Yeah. We had a cornhole tournament actually last week. Yeah. Uh, Frank Frank canceled a walkthrough, and we had a in the indoor. I mean, they had boards set up everywhere, 
and I got knocked out a little sooner than I'd like. Uh, oh, no. But you know, every not to make an excuse, but every board's different. Every set of bags are <laughs> yeah. different. I, I like to find you know the same the same set and uh, and keep it right there. Well, there should be some consistency in the bags because you need to slick side, you need to stop side, and the boards need to be a little bit thick here so we're not just bouncing all over the place. I don't know if anybody's told you I used to run that locker room in Cornhole. <laughs> right. I've heard I've heard from Conti that you were you kind of got the whole thing started. So now there's two sets of boards set up in the locker. Oh, room. let's wow. go. You can you can believe that was the uh, that was certainly the game played during during some big breaks during during training camp. What I'd never done, you know, you always played a fifteen or twenty one, the bust or no bust. I'm not a big fan no. of a bust. No, no. you go no. through that. That's for losers. It lasts forever. Yeah, you're up twenty to one, and you can lose because you keep busting. But the the game that kind of you know that's the, not the, my corner. That's not my locker uh, room, Phil. There's <laughs> no way you're letting that fly in that locker room, Phil. It mixes in there a little bit. The game is the is just the four bag. You know, play four bags down and play best two out of three that's the quick one you know you got a meeting in five minutes come on let's get a quick series in so that's kind of been the go-to i think for the most part so you're just competing in everything huh trash can toss yeah need it we're gonna go th- hey four three bags all right we got what minute and a half let's go through you just love competing huh love basketball it. shooting shooting baskets you know shooting baskets in the team room yeah shoot if there's let's compete in something we can't get and you know what's funny because dad being a high school coach and my dad's super competitive but i got a lot of my competition from my mom my mom playing a board game you know it could be sorry or uno or whatever <laughs> as a young kid and now she's doing it with my children with her grandchildren she doesn't let them win I mean, there's no, like, we play to win. We're, what do you mean we're not keeping score? Playing for fun? Plays for fun. You can have fun along the way, but you play to stink and win the game. That's true. Hey, Phil, last thing for me, uh, I know you're, you're all set up down the road to become a high school coach. When you look around and you see, okay, Sean McVay, Monday Night Football came after him. Drew Brees is setting up. We see what Tony Romo's doing. You ever sit back and be like, you know what? I could probably go collect about 10 mil entertaining people calling games. <laughs> You know, that was the only thing I didn't mention to you during that time in Florida. That kind of got brought up a little bit. Uh, The the whole TV side got brought up a little bit. Never really, never really uh, gained any steam. But I think uh, I'm not ever going to rule it out. I'm not ever going to rule it out. Certainly would be uh, humbled with even any opportunity like that. But it goes back to what we just said. I think. I, 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 you know, it's hard to compete in the booth. You know, it would drive me crazy that I can't have an effect on the score. I'd be, you know, so I think that's the only thing. I think if if that ever came to, I'd still have to be coaching on, on the sideline on Friday night somewhere. But, you you uh, comparing yourself it. to Tony Romo's game to see who won would be awesome. <laughs> you. Yeah, how about that? How about the post-game analysis of who called a better game? <laughs> Tony, uh, Tony's really good now. He's he is really good, and it's fun as a quarterback watching and listening to him uh, because he says he says some things. I'm sure for him early it was hard, and you know, shoot, he, I think he's great. But early, I bet it was difficult for him not to talk too much, you know, too much in the schematics and all that, like he's sitting in a quarterback room because sometimes I, I, was, I was listening to him early and I was like, yeah, man, that's exactly right. Tony's calling out blitzes and calling out where they're checking to run to. And I'm going, the people at home are probably going, man, this is uh, – this is a uh, high level, high level quarterback play we're getting from getting from Roma. <laughs> was a little bit a lot. A lot of fans were felt like they were drinking from a fire hose at that point, but we felt like we learned a lot. Tony Romo has set a new standard. I hope you get a chance to do that someday if you want to. If not, coach, I hope you get a chance to win a Super Bowl. We're very thankful you're in our city, man. Uh, Everybody has had glowing praises for you, even back for the Chargers, the Chargers fans, the Colts, the Colts building. I mean, you've done it right, man, and we hope you end up on the top of the mountain at someday. You deserve it. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Y'all, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's been great. I, the community's really welcomed our family too, as well. And uh, 
Shoot, we love it here. It's funny. I keep telling everyone we're looking forward to the four seasons. You know, we're looking forward to having a little change up. I, we've swam on Christmas Day, you know, like <laughs> eight or 16 years out there. So uh, I get quickly reminded. Yeah, it's nice. Fall's good. But, you know, you won't be swimming. That's for sure on Christmas. So but we're looking we're looking forward to that. I, this locker room and this team's great. You know, I think the big thing was it wasn't a it wasn't a fix it deal or hey we got a, we got locker room issues. We really need a, a leader in here. This locker room's awesome, and it's it's not it's not by any means me coming here and do anything special. It's you know we say it a lot. Frank said this a lot to the guys: be the best version of yourself. You know, for this team this year, and uh, I think that's what I'm, you know that's what I'm going to do. And shoot, we got a heck of a heck of a group. And uh, I always say, see if we got to score one more point than the other team. Each week, that's the goal. Score one more point to another team. If it's three to two or thirty-eight, thirty-seven, and and uh, keep our head down and see what we can do. You guys want to game three to two this year? I'll be pumped. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I guess I'll ultimately be happy. I wouldn't be very happy, <laughs> but I wouldn't be very happy three to two. That'd be a rough outing. Phil, you always and sorry, I'm asking more questions because the more you talk, the more I'm just. Well, thinking. you you tried to close it out, and I didn't let you. Well, I, you, the way you throw. The way you throw is obviously a topic of conversation for everybody, especially as you get older, because it feels as if it's a lot on your arm as opposed to your body. Was that just your natural throwing motion early? And has it just always been that way? Did you move into that throwing motion? And do you think it is such a waste of time for people to talk about it because you put the ball on the money, it seems like, every single time? Yeah, no, I understand it. I think uh, I think it's going to be, you know, I, I, it'll be part of kind of my uh, whatever. You know, that'll always be be part of my kind of game. Will be the throwing motion. I'll give you the quick. I'll give you the shortest version I can give you. So take your time, Phil. To, take your time. We got nothing but time. going back to uh, you know being a little boy, the ball boy, and everything with my dad's teams. I was around his practices. You know, as five, six, seven, eight year old, and throwing a regulation size football. So I couldn't quite palm it, you know, so it's in your hand and I couldn't, you know, grab it. So you had to lay it in your hand and then and then push it. So we you know, my dad kind of think that's where it started. And then as you get a little bigger and stronger, you still have that muscle memory and that movement's kind of ingrained. So although I probably could have altered it, I kind of kept it kept it kind of in that little slot and that little three quarter delivery. I do think it's helped me allow me to throw at multiple arm angles, whether you're throwing around linemen or need to throw it around someone. Um, and, you know, the only time he got mentioned was freshman year, NC State. Norm Chow was the coordinator. He sent the tape. He asked me. He thought I was injured. He said, is something wrong with your shoulder? I said, no, coach, I guess that's just the way I throw it. And so he sent it to Mike Holmgren, who he knew, who was in Seattle at the time. And Holmgren said, uh, if he's accurate and doesn't get a lot of balls batted down, then then just leave it alone. So uh, we left it alone. That was kind of the last the last straw as far as do we do we tweak it or not. But So that's the story that we believe and that's been told <laughs> – uh, but my son, who's 12, my oldest son, he throws it the exact same way. And now he's throwing a youth football his whole life. So maybe there's just something, something that we're wired to throw it that way. And when he was seven or eight, I said, hey, Gunner, pick your arm up a little bit, just a little higher. And he said, Dad, you throw it that way. So I said, you're right. Keep throwing it that way. <laughs> so, um, it may just be a may just be a Rivers gene. I don't know. Gunner is a hell of a name for an NFL quarterback. Oh, I yeah. cannot yeah. wait to see him succeed. Hey, uh, so I've always said, you know, uh, it's my mom's maiden name is Gunner. That's why we named him that. Oh. But if he can throw it or if he can shoot it, then it'll work out. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like with his dad and how competitive your genes seem to be with your mom and what you've been able to accomplish thus far, and you have what like an entire two teams of kids competing <laughs> against each other every single day. I feel like Gunner has a head start on everybody else. Ladies and gentlemen, perennial all-pro, superstar, Indianapolis Colts quarterback, Philip Rivers. Thank you, yeah, Phil. Yeah!
Glad AJ, good to see you guys. Hey, Phil, Phil, Phil. Hey. How many kids? I'm about to get into the kids' world, I think. Which one? <laughs> That's two times we closed it down and opened it back up. So there's nine. There's nine. It's seven, seven girls and two boys. So the boys are 12 and eight. And, uh, and then the girls surround them. Three older, one girl in the middle, and three younger. Which, so. what, what, which number of kids was it like, all right, we're playing a little bit too much zone defense right now? <laughs> Did that happen or has that not happened yet? Maybe we'll get to 10. Well, I think you get you get broken from a standpoint. Of, you know, you get broken to really just let go when you get to four. You know, that was kind of when it, my wife said, "I finally just then the, the bows didn't have to be perfect in the hair anymore." You know, I'm going to grocery store with diaper and back pocket. You know, there's no more diaper bag at that point. It's just back pocket <laughs> diaper and a, and hold a sippy cup. We'll survive. You know, if we have to go get some paper towels to change the diaper, we'll make it work. So uh, that's after four. But I tell you what, having the three oldest girls. So I have one girl. You know, now 18, but 18, 15, and 14, uh, that's, that's, uh, they're like little moms in the house. So that certainly, certainly helps out with the zone defense. Well, good for you. <laughs> now we're, I'm done with this convo. Phil Brennan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Phil. Woo! All right, fellas, see you guys. See you, man. Good dude. Great. Legend. Hey, good guy there, Phil Rivers. Every, by the way, everybody I've talked to in the Colts building, in every different department, they're like, this guy has been just a dream. High energy. High competitive. Every day he's the same exact person. He's welcoming. He talks to everybody. In that cornhole in the locker room, I guess he's really been popping off over there. I'm, I'm happy the Colts got him. and He stuck around. I mean, that was a pretty long conversation yeah. for a guy in the middle yeah. of training camp, I'd assume, AJ. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, what it tried to, the, the talk tried to shut down two or three times, and he, he wanted to keep it going. So, yeah, man, I think it seems like a perfect fit, doesn't it, for Phil? I mean, yeah. we know how good their offensive line is. But it seems like a like a culture fit too, which I think Phil would have fit in anywhere. But he there's definitely some places he could have gone to and been looked around the locker room day one or week one is like, all right, this is not the NFL I'm used to. You know, they picked him over Tom Brady, the Colts. Chris Ballard basically confirmed that to us on schedule or draft night or whatever. When mm-hmm. he, I said, hey, there's a report coming out that Tom Brady's team was interested in coming to the Colts, and you guys said, nah, we're going to go with Phillip Rivers instead. Is that true? And he said, I can't confirm nor deny that. Like, whoa, okay. So that means, yes, that happened. And then once I'm starting to hear the stories come out of the building and how comfortable he is in that off, like that offense is literally just like he doesn't have to learn anything. He's almost like teaching people allegedly from, from what to do. I mean, it seems like a perfect fit. If he goes on a run and wins the Super Bowl here, oh, yeah, I hate to hear it. I hate to say it for the Chargers fan. You will never see Phillip Rivers in a Chargers uniform nope. ever again if he wins the Super Bowl at the Indianapolis Colts. It's happened with Peyton when he went to Denver. I assume it's going to happen with Tom whenever he goes to the Bucs yeah. if they win one. I mean, that's just he's going to be remembered as a Colt forever, even though his Chargers years were, were obviously special. 16, that's a long time. Yeah, he may have to take a high school gig in Indiana if he wins Ooh. the Super Bowl this year with the Colts. I don't know. I, I feel like that prep school he's going to down there in Alabama, I'm not sure like the Butler Bulldogs are even paying that amount of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. They're probably competing with like IMG. Yeah, I, I think those prep schools, those high school prep schools, they they go all in. Like, hey, we want to win down here in Alabama. Remember, two days or whatever, whenever Hoover High oh, was yeah. all over everything. Alabama high school football is a big deal. Not How's cool. that microphone? <laughs> I saw you holding that thing the entire time. Is that still happening? Yeah, it's got the big boom arm connected. That's the problem. Yeah, it just the clamp came off. I'll, I'll get it figured out. He's been that for thirty-eight minutes. Yeah, it's been forty <laughs> minutes. You've been hanging. Are you sweating over there? It feels like you're knocking a few things down. That's why I didn't want to interrupt Phil. Something fell, knocked some big thing <laughs> uh, down. That's what that was. Oh, okay. We did hear that. The um, 
Do you see Harbaugh came out in support for his brother at Michigan and said, free the Big yeah, Ten? Free him, right? Like, free the Big Ten, basically. Didn't he say that? Yeah, exact quote, free the Big Ten. General Bob Carpenter has been exhausting every single source <laughs> that he has to find out what we're at. Have you heard anything new on the state of the Big Ten? Bob Carpenter is coming out and saying, hey, the ball is in the university president's court. They have access to the Abbott instant testing. It's the final hurdle for player safety, and initially they will the only they will the <laughs> only conference that has it. The general. He's, he's worked up. He's in a foxhole right hey, He's now. in the middle of a war. Yeah. What do you want from this guy? It's been exhausting. Yeah, give him a break. Hey, Bobby, or Pat, you know Bobby talked about on his radio show in the morning, uh, I think yesterday, about the red line. He, he mentioned it when he came on the show. And he, then he said how somebody came back at him for his his grammar, the, the errors that he had made and his punctuation. He's like, I mean, what do I got to do, man? It's 6.15 in the morning. I'm in the middle of, of a, a segment on the radio, and I'm trying to redline this thing. I'm multitasking. Don't, be, don't come at me with my grammar mistakes. That's the general. So that's the general. That's our that's general. That's, that's the general. general. Uh, it's been an exhausting day, he says. <laughs> but it feels like... <laughs> He's exhausted by his, his hatred. For the Big Ten commissioner, <laughs> it's a long day, man. It feels like yeah. feels like lots of. It, it, <laughs> he called every single commissioner, every president. You mean? Yeah. He called every president, wrote every congressman. But it feels like he says lots of progress has been made in the Big Ten. I don't know if that's just with his army or with the actual Big Ten. <laughs> yeah. There's still progress to be made. But the OSU president, Christina Johnson, making a strong statement for fall football and instant testing now available to schools. It's getting close. And then obviously sleepy emoji because he's had a long fucking day out <laughs> there on the general. battle lines. If Big Ten football comes back. Bob Carpenter might get a statue. Oh, and I am here for General Bob Carpenter to get a statue. Have you heard anything uh, in Ohio? Your friends with Bob, obviously the general. Is it? Have you heard anything about updates or anything like that? Because you listen to people on, uh, on GetUp. Heather Dinich, who went to Indiana. She's from Indiana. She said that nothing has changed nothing has been proposed to the president she said that yesterday now something it's been an exhaustive day yesterday for the general so who knows if something changed since then but i feel like there's mixed sources coming out on whether or not they're going to change anything what is your feeling towards it right now well i should have called or texted bobby before the show because he is my source for all of this and he has he has he the has sources he talks about middle of the but i wonder if should we have him I read the Heather, the Heather Dinich, what she said. Like, I see both sides. I see Heather Dinich saying, no, there's no progress made. There's nothing towards the, the Big Ten coming back any sooner. And then I'll see something five minutes later, and they say, hey, oh, just got off the, the horn with somebody in the Big Ten, and they think it's a very real possibility early October they're going to play. And I'm like, all right, well, what do, I, what do I believe? Dennis Dodd of CBS tweeted at 2.05, so roughly you do the math, 37 37- 38, you get it, 38 minutes ago. Multiple sources say no immediate plan for Big Ten presidents to meet to consider false start to season. One source says October 10th ain't happening. Is General Bob Carpenter losing this war right in front of his eyes? Oh, my. The Big Ten Army that General Bob Carpenter is leading is not going to be happy to hear what Dennis Dodd of CBS said. And while we have to remember that there is – oh, I got another text coming through from Nick – um, Nick says during a state college area school board of directors meeting on Monday night, Wayne Sebastianelli, uh, Penn State's director of athletic medicine, made some alarming comments about the link between COVID-19 and myocarditis, oh, particularly my. in Big Ten athletes. Sebastianelli said the cardiac MRI scans revealed that approximately a third of Big Ten athletes who tested positive for COVID-19 appeared to have myocarditis and inflammation of the heart muscle that can be fatal if left unchecked. When we looked at our COVID positive athletes, whether they were symptoms or not 30 to 35 percent had heart muscles were inflamed sebastianelli said and we really just don't know what to do with it right now it's still very early
early in the infection. Some of that has led to the Pac-12 and Big Ten's decision to sort out, uh, of put a hiatus on what's happening. Now, what isn't said there is what the other doctors who will immediately tweet underneath that report that says, well, that happens for the flu, that happens for the cold, your heart gets inflamed anytime it battles an illness. And now, who do we believe? Who do we believe, Mr. Sebastianelli, uh, who is, I don't know if it's a Paisan uh, guy yeah, I or not, don't. athletic Not my Paisan. Well, that does not directly help out General Bob's army, that particular quote. Or do you believe the people that come out on the other side of it, they're like, well, that happens everywhere. This is the problem. This is the problem. You don't know who's right, what doctor studied fucking more, who's, you know, you just don't know, AJ. And that General Nobody Bob Carpenter's got to fight against that every he day. He does. getting shelled in his foxhole right now. He is. He loves it. He loves it. I mean, Bobby, he lives for this. I think this is where he thrives the most, when he has a cause to fight for where he can gather the troops and bring them with him. It's just his, it's his thing, man. I've known him for a long time. Hey, He'll, right underneath the, the tweet that you read or whatever, the, the very first tweet is how the Big Ten doctor and the SEC, SEC doctor have completely different viewpoints Obviously. on the... Like, is this just going to be the way our world is forever yeah. now? Is this just what it's going to be? Like, okay, this person... And now, granted, I, I love the fact that we are now a society where we have access to more information than we've ever been. I think that's a good thing. I think people learning and, and all that stuff... But then whenever the same information starts getting pitched in different directions, I mean, that's just... It makes no sense. It's like, well, who... Who, who's making the decision here? Greg Sankey's like, I heard what they did at Big Ten. We looked at those numbers, too. And turns out our King James version of those numbers is much different than their <laughs> mm-hmm. fucking Bible that they're reading from. I mean, it is a very, I mean, this is a wild time to Pick be a sign. That's told, all it is. I told you guys yesterday, I got a carditis. It's not a big deal. Come on. Diggs does have a carditis. He can't do Jaeger bombs, okay. AJ. Can't do it. It's not a big deal. How do you? How do you learn about that? You just did a bunch well, of you, one. No, it feels heart it feels like you're having a heart attack, and then you get rushed to the hospital, and then they tell you you're not having a heart attack, and then they tell you what you have, and then, and then figure it out. Every time your friends go out and want to order a bomb of some sort to drink, you have to tell the bartender, uh, "Excuse me, keep a ginger ale ginger in this instead of Red Bull, because mm-hmm. I will die here." Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it just is it a caffeine thing? Yeah, it, there's a bunch of different things that can set off the inflammation around your heart that makes you feel like you're having a tar- heart attack, but you're not really having a heart attack, so it's not a big deal. I mean, I'm worried about it. Well, I didn't know it was a fake ass. I, I didn't know you could have been having Vegas bombs and all that stuff with us. I mean, what do you mean? Vegas bombs? Everybody knows my go-to is like, hey, I'd like for well, like 100 people. A- and then you always go, uh, just 99, actually. <laughs> one with ginger ale. I've time. come around uh, because if I die, I die. But I've started actually taking Oh, Kirk Cousins. Oh. Hell yeah. How do you feel about Kirk Cousins coming out and saying, if I die, I die? People hate him for it. I guess people hate I did not know that there was that big of a backlash for what he said. But boy, people are not happy with Kirk Cousins saying, if I die, I die. I, didn't this get taken out of context a little bit? I know it was on Kyle Brandt's podcast deal that he has on Spotify or whatever. That Aaron was his first guest earlier. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly. I need to listen to the whole thing. But it, he's just he's channeling Ivan Drago with Rocky. If he dies, he dies. Like, Kirk I, obviously feels this way about it. But he did say, I still wear a mask to protect other people and everything. Like, he's not saying, like, I'm just willy-nilly just flying around. I guess he's basically telling us. I'm, it doesn't take up a whole lot of space in my brain, like worrying about COVID. Which, by the way, here's Kirk Cousins, mentally tough enough to battle against mm-hmm. COVID, not even worrying about that, not distracting. He even says, listen, if I die, I die, dude. Okay, I got film to watch. Locked and that's primetime Kirk Cousins. This is a new Kirk Cousins here. He's taking some heat on the internet. He doesn't even know. You know why? Locked in. Locked in. Mm-hmm. Locked in Kirk Cousins, primetime Kirk Cousins, the same Kirk Cousins that won in Jerry World, and the same Kirk Cousins that won down in New Orleans in the Superdome and threw a potential pass interference uh, to Kyle Rudolph to get a playoff victory. 
Hmm. Well, hey, maybe it's maybe this is like you said, new Kirk Cousins. Maybe he loves it. He wants to become a heel, right? You're a wrestling oh. guy. Does he want that? If Kirk Cousins becomes a heel, I'm for it because there's oh. nothing better than a super smart nerdy heel who just who loves the Bible. Who was that? Who loves the Bible? That's good heel right there. Oh, a, Bi- a Bible heel. Oh yeah, a Bible heel. Yeah. Well, the Bible heel, if he Kirk Cousins becomes that and it's you like that every single week, I am here for Kirk Cousins saying, if I die, I die. You like that. I'll wear a mask to keep everybody else safe, but I just want to let you know, eh, 0.00001% of me worries about that whole thing. I love Kirk. I, I mean, the NFC North, okay, you got Matty Stafford up oh, there. Yeah. He's back from a broken back. <laughs> You got this new Kirk Cousins who, if I die, I die, primetime Kirk Cousins. You got Aaron Rodgers who's playing the best football he's played in a long time in his eyes and in a lot of other people's eyes. I mean, the Chicago Bears, (laughs) you know, the Bears have a quarterback or two. The the thing about that NFC North is I think it's going to get very, very contentious in that NFC North all of a sudden, Ty. Nah, I'm not worried about it. Packers are still going to win the division. I mean, you know, I mean, maybe if Kirk Cousins changes his name to Kurt Cousins. And, oh. Yeah, that's kind of a heel move. I wouldn't mind seeing him do that. But you I, hate the name Kirk. I don't hate it, but, you know, I mean, I think that's Kirk synonymous. Cameron, Kirk Cameron change his? Kirk Cameron? No, From not. Growing Pains? Yeah. That guy stinks. New Ty would know. It's amazing. Great pull by Ty right there. Yeah, great well, he, show. He makes some waves. He's a very religious guy. He yeah. makes some waves in different comments he says over the You're years. on the internet more than I am, by the way. I've it's realized. not the internet. He's not even on the internet. Yeah, he is. That guy's I'm the internet. That guy's the internet. The I was sure. That guy's Yeah, the you're right. Actually, you're right. I read the internet. I don't, I don't scroll through Twitter and Instagram. Like, yeah, that's where I get my news, of course. Well, my internet is Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, but yours is, I guess we just have different views on how we approach it. Well, the things you learn about on the internet are uh, much more despicable yeah. than the yeah. things yeah, I learn about on the internet. It's true. Oh, what, Chuck Berry? I learned about that. Nice. Right. Show's oh, over. Okay. Okay. Show's yeah. over. All right, AJ. school, man. All right. We'll see you tomorrow, AJ. Uh, do you, is there anything else? <laughs> Don't salute at me. And I was left-handed. I didn't, no disrespect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the military. Oh. No, no, like General Bob. Wow. Yeah. That mic continues to fuck you. Yeah. Whoa. What did you say? The that mic, mic continues mic. to fuck you because you couldn't salute right-handed. You're right. You're right. What do you got out going? What's the stadium <laughs> thing? You working for stadium? What's going on there? You I have yeah, I've done games for stadium. Yeah. What Jeez. is stadium? It's a network. That's who uh, they do on television. Yep. Stadiums really? on the television. Yeah, it's on. You know, a lot of the games I've done, they well, they air it's internet, and then they air them all regionally and locally. So, well, what games have you called for stadium? Is it high school, college, NFL, college, conference USA games? Yeah, and I'm oh. probably going to do Ooh. some this year. Oh, wow. oh here we go! Oh, breaking news. Is that breaking news? No, not at no. all. It's who Shams is with, like or was with, or is with. No, he's with the athletic, athletic. isn't he? Both. Oh, he's with the athletic and stadium. Mm-hmm. Is stadium a network? I believe so. Okay, good for you, AJ. Look at this. Look at okay. this. Look at this, yeah. What games you call? Conference USA games? How many games you call on this year? I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully all of them. Let's break the news, AJ. I mean, let's break the news. No here. news. Yeah, there's no news to break. Yeah, I've done I've done games for them the last couple of years. Whoa. I enjoy, I enjoy okay. being there. Whoa. Yeah, they're sending people. I think they're they're planning on sending crews to the games, and I'm... I, li- I like that. Let's go. Yeah, I like that. Oh, no, we like that too. You like that? How do we watch that? How do we watch those? Don't worry about it. You don't. You don't need to watch. No, I would like to watch. watch. Oh, we're watching. Watch. I'll let you know. I think September 26th will probably be the first one I do. I'll let you know. Breaking news! Wow. Wow. Breaking news!
news. Look at this. September 26th, oh. stadium. A.J. Hawk on the call for a Conference USA game between. Diggs is searching right now. Trying, trying to. Memphis. Southern Miss. There's a lot of them. Who? Southern That's Miss. Yeah. Southern Miss. Let's go. Yeah. Um, they play tonight. Yeah, they do. Are they you kick gonna, off the season tonight. Hey, I'll watch some film for you to see if you could pick up anything because I also called college football games last mm, year, yep. so I can yeah. tell you the little nuances. Of what yeah, can you break it down for me? Will you send me like a detailed report yeah. on Southern Miss? The big thing is don't learn any of their names, you know, because then you'll be kind of biased towards the ones you know their names. Just know the numbers, and that really works well on TV when you say, oh, number 84 just went after it there, and then everybody's like, yeah, you fucking hear <laughs> He's on a Heisman candidate. Like, oh, that's on me. I think that is how you should approach potentially the games if I were you. Okay, thank you. I, I will. I will. I will make a note of that for sure. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Are you going to be doing games again? Today? Nah, no. Wasn't invited. Too well, I mean, your schedule you had last year was unmanageable. Yeah, I would. I would argue that is accurate. I would argue that that schedule last year was a mistake. Hindsight, look back and say probably should have died there. Probably should have died during that little run. You're glad you did it though, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I think so. I mean, I, I think I'm glad I did it. When you're in the middle of it. You know, you don't even realize how much you're probably just killing your body and your your mental health and your whole spirit and you're gaining like 50 pounds while you're doing it. Mm. And you're you're potentially dropping right into the coronavirus capital of the world once a week oh, yeah. and then high-fiving and shaking everybody's hands. And then you're in four cities a week and you're just going, 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 going. And then as you get like a month out, you kind of like kind of decompress a little bit you're like happy to be at home it's like all right it's good to be here then like two months out you look back and you go well that was the dumbest thing anybody's ever decided to do and that is i think what we all did that was a part of that run what are you gonna do what are you gonna do i mean in hindsight too we definitely all got COVID about two three months before it was a thing so we kind of you know eased our immune systems into it yeah but legit too i mean they actually drew a circle on the hotel we were in and was like this is potentially where COVID started and we were there Every single 17 week. 17 weeks, 20 <laughs> weeks in a row. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a chance. I mean, there's a chance. But, yeah, I'm happy I'm going to be home a little bit more this particular year. But it's not bad to get back on the road. I like seeing people, like, shaking hands. Well, it's just a fine balance. Uh, but It's not happening this year for anybody, Pat. No one's hitting the road shaking hands. You, you'll see some people. No one's shaking hands. You are. September 26th. The stadium yeah, network. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to be shaking anybody's hand. Oh, jeez. Unapproachable. You? Not even it's like an air, air fist bump, right? Isn't that what people do? The cool guys do now? I, You know, I do like the... Uh, I'm a big... Uh, knock it up. Knock it up. Yeah. Pond. Yeah, do you think boy. the... Uh, will the handshake ever come back? Because pre-COVID, I know people said, like, hey, the handshake needs to go. Even before people were worried about a global pandemic, they were like, it's still not... Like, I don't want to shake people's... Especially the right hand. They're usually wiping with that one. They don't wash. Well, yeah, unless they're a lefty. Do lefties wipe with their left hands? Yeah. I would assume they go strong yeah. side, huh? Yeah, you got for to. sure. Have to. You can't. Unless they're switch hitters. You can't be doing By the way, I've gone. Have you tried to lefty? Can't. can't. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, it's, it's like brushing your teeth, lefty. Yeah, I've never done oh, I would give, give it a run. Nine months on my right hand. You can. It's, it's amazing how fast the body can adapt. Well, that's your body. You remember, you microdose yeah. yourself out of being it's allergic true. to shellfish. So I think your body is a little bit different than everybody else's. But the handshake is something I think was potentially dying off and now definitely going to be gone. A lot of Howie Mandels now, I think. A lot of Howie Mandels, a lot of fist bumps or whatever. And I think that's good because that's the expectation of people now. Because there's always that moment where it's like the, uh, oh, oh. the handshake, dap doing? up, oh. pound, you know, that whole thing. But what also is coming from this uh, pandemic and social distancing thing, 
food delivery, just leaving the food at your door oh. as opposed oh. to having to go out and have any, you know, that is a major upside in this entire social distance. Just, they know there's no expectation for us to come to the car. There's no expectation for a conversation. Hey, we'll leave this right at the door and we'll get the fuck out of here. Whoa, big come up for food delivery, I think. Yeah. You know what? Hey, no joke. This happened to me two days ago. We see this car pull up. I'm like, all right, who's this? Some guy comes out, maybe in his 70s, wearing a mask. And I, I see him. I'm like, man, come on. Don't ring the doorbell. He, I thought he, I was hoping he was delivering something. Nope. Rings the doorbell, stands there, won't go away. So I was like, all right, I got it. Went to the door. I'm standing there for <laughs> this thing went 15 minutes, most likely, maybe longer than 15 minutes. And I was like, oh, hey, yeah, how you doing? He's like, Hey, I'm with the uh, U.S. Census Bureau, and you and uh, I guess you guys didn't figure you didn't fill it all out online like you were supposed to. So I'm here, and I have to I have to ask you a bunch of questions. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I sat there for 15 oh, minutes asking no. questions about who lives here, whatever, all this garbage. What and then government state is this? Yeah, yeah. They do that in Indiana too. Yeah. They got yeah, you. They we don't want to. I don't want to help the dude or whatever. But then we took a selfie together with his phone, and I'm like, All right, I don't think this is proper protocol. Right now. <laughs> uh, you're in the deep state, man. Yeah, I've never had that happen. Uh, you know, I never have either. I, dude, are are you legally supposed to fill out the census? Like, do I never? If I got anything in the mail ever from the U.S. Census Bureau, I'd rip it up and throw it away. Yeah. It's your duty as an American citizen, agent. Good to vote. Yeah, not no, fucking not. tell everything. There. Yeah, check the tax records. They know. They know where I pay taxes. They know exactly what's going yeah, on. You see how many dependents I got going dude. on? Why don't you call the IRS and figure this out, <laughs> pal? I, you know who I miss showing up at the door? Hmm. The religious people. Mm. You know, the religious people. Oh, yeah. Aren't they still going? You don't think they're still going? Oh, I haven't had any come to my house in a while. No, a lot of those people were old, and they really shouldn't be walking around. Unfortunately, no. The Mormons are young crew. Oh, you know, I haven't. I had yeah. never had a Mormon visit. Oh, uh, it's the best. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm very different than a lot of people. I want to get called in for jury duty. Okay, like, I, I'm one of those people who wants to experience these things. And those religious people, they're showing up, and they think people are going to want to rush them out of there. No, no. I got questions. Let's have a full conversation here. I want to learn about this it gets to the point where they want to leave you know where they want to leave as opposed to me there's no chance i'm too i'm too you know um stubborn to change my way so you got no chance of like bringing me into your cult or whatever but i got a lot of questions for you and if you don't have the answers i start questioning whether or not you're religious enough (laughs) then you should i be visiting you at your house potentially because i have a field day with those people i mean i love it and unfortunately i do believe the door-to-door religious folks trying to sell their cult He's not going to survive the quarantine. No, no, that's no, a sure shame. Not. That's a damn shame. What's up, Diggs? Um, some breaking news in the NFL. Here we go. Not super familiar with his name, but I did check the depth chart. He is the starting safety for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ronnie Harrison is being traded to the uh, Cleveland Browns. The starting fucking safety's gone now? <laughs> this team stinks, dude. Yeah, what did they what? get for him? Uh, fifth rounder. Man. What the fuck? What's Doug Marone got to be thinking? Hey, we're just we're setting... Are this all up for the coach that comes after me? Probably just hammering bologna sandwiches and just sending everything. And hammering his bologna, probably. I mean, this is an interesting situation. So not only did they get rid of their starting uh, running back 31% of their offensive production last year, not only did they get rid of uh, two of their most prominent defensive linemen in Yannick Ngakwe, who takes a $6 million pay cut to get the fuck out of town, Calais Campbell gets traded un. Didn't even know he was going to get traded. Actually thought he was going to be with Jacksonville for a long time. Jalen Ramsey last I mean, you're just talking about everybody on their team. Yeah. But Nick Foles, Bowie. I mean, everybody on their team is just like. 
So if you're on the Jacksonville Jaguars right now and you're a good football player, are you trying to suck in practice so that you can get a job? Because it feels like you're not going to have a job with the Jacksonville Jaguars if you're good at football. And that, I think they're very lucky that this COVID-19 thing is not allowing fans in the stands or they can take a grandstand and say like, hey, uh, you're not allowed to have any fans in the stands. You know, we're taking extra precautions. Because I don't know how you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan right now and be like excited. Unless you are buying into the fact that, hey, finally our team is choosing to suck outright as opposed to be average and if you're cheering for a tank season that's got to be tough already but if this works out and they get trevor lawrence and whole team turns around i guess we hindsight this and say good for them but that entire building is going to get blown up after the season if they're trying to suck just like it did for the colts whenever i was there whenever we got andrew luck yeah you would think but when you were talking about that it reminded me it had an idea popped in my head so you know steve nash just got named the Brooklyn Nets head coach, right? White privilege, yeah. White privilege. Stephen A. Smith said it was because Oh, they, someone said that, right? Oh, Stephen yeah. A. Smith, yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, maybe. Hey, maybe. We, we don't, don't know. know. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. But what if Who knows? Phil Rivers leads the Colts to a Super Bowl and then Shad Khan gives him a call and he's like, hey, I know you want to coach high school. I'll pay you 15 a year. Why don't you come take over the Jags as the head coach? Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers, yeah. That, that, that's not – completely crazy oh it's something the jags would do i mean i like the fact that it would the, get people talking about the jags they had those pool parties during the games that talked about the jags they went over to london that talked about the jags they had primetime games in the morning but it was only to show on tv because they were in london it does feel as if the con is somebody the cons are somebody that try to you know promote things get it going but with this team doing what it's doing, obviously sucking. I mean, we said this about the Miami Dolphins last year, and Gardner Minshew might be the same type of player as Ryan Fitzpatrick, where even if you're trying to suck, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to win a couple games for you. They were trying to get the number one overall pick. They got the number five overall pick, and maybe Gardner Minshew's the same person. But everybody in that building has to see the writing on the wall at this point. David Caldwell, who Michael Lombardi, who's former GM, calls David Blaine Caldwell because he's a magician. He sucked for so long somehow, and he's still the GM. Doug Marone knows that he's got to see the writing on the wall at this point that whole building has to know like oh this is kind of we just get to kind of have a lame duck ear here it does not matter what we do or say it will not affect the future because everybody assumes they're going to pick one person let's say it's philip rivers i don't who says it's not philip rivers if they're going to pick one person they're going to be gm head coach and they're going to be tasked with rebuilding that entire franchise and i don't know how they're going to do it i don't know who's going to do it but it feels like this is a team who is trying to suck more than every other team. And if you're a Jaguars fan, you just got to be like, all right, well, we'll just grit and bear this for another year of suck, and then we'll be good after this. But it's going to take a while to build that thing from top to bottom, and I don't think that's an easy process to do. No, it's going to be really tough. But what about David Blaine? Did you watch his balloon stunt? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stunt. Kind of uneventful, kind of uneventful. I was, like- honestly, I wasn't highly – I listened to him talk about it, and then it all of a sudden I saw it you know, trending or whatever, so I started watching it. It sucked me in a little bit as he was oh, getting yeah. up 15, 18,000 feet. And this guy's like, hey, I really need you to get some oxygen. And he's like, no, I feel fine. I started to get a little worried for him. And then when he cut free and you couldn't hear him, I'm like, all right, is he conscious? Is he, did he pass out when he was descending yeah. or what? And then all of a sudden, bam, he pops up, he lands, he's good. Oh, That's how they wanted you to think, I think. I AJ. feel like that was the – They got you. They got you. They, got you. they had us. We think how much money he spent trying to prepare this whole thing. And every, he, it's like a two-year process. He had to have like 500 solo jumps. He became a – a pilot for air, hot air balloons, like lighter than air deal. Like he did all kinds of prep just for that moment. Sure. We talked about this yesterday. We think 
David Blaine was competing against David Blaine's legacy at that point, right? What this man has done. He's locked himself in an ice cube, I think. He's held his breath underwater. He's done all these insane things. So whenever you watch this one, in your head, you're thinking, David Blaine, this guy will try to fucking kill himself Mm -hmm. to do something. And then as you're watching it, he's just kind of strapped in to a a test airplane that they're flying around with a bunch of balloons. Some of the strings on the balloons, by the way, looked a little loose and he he was dropping bricks out of his pockets. And then you learn, we learned about 10 minutes into the, because we're getting a bit, I'm going to be honest, the office had turned on David Blaine whenever that thing was started. When he was floating around at like 5,000 feet and he was just like chilling and hanging out and he was dropping bricks out of his pockets. Everybody's like, come on, Dave, what are we doing here? Now he gets up to 24,000 feet. We were impressed because that was very, very high, very, very cold, the whole thing. But at the beginning, we were kind of lost. And then we looked up 12 years ago. A priest in Brazil did this. Mm-hmm. He strapped himself in. And the last they heard of him was at 17,400 feet. Then, like, four months later, they found half his body on an oil bridge oh. out in the middle of the ocean. So that guy just fucking disappeared, went too high, too quick, too fast, too dead. So then that's when we were kind of, like, back in. Oh, wait a minute. Is David Blaine potentially going to go to the stratosphere like Felix Baumgartner? He did not. He got to 24,000 feet. Still impressive. Uneventful. It's not in the top three or five of David Blaine things, but we watched for 47 minutes just like you. Would have been a lot yeah, cooler I, if like, I missed the beginning part. If he would have got to like 18,000 feet and then the air would have started leaking out of balloons and he would have been in one of those suits with chains and stuff like that oh, and he yeah. had to get all those off before all the balloons were out of air and he would have plummeted to the earth. To death. That would have been cool. Yeah. It was a little uneventful. He was too good. He's too good. Would you... Did you want it to be like the um, the guy that no. the flat earther that built his own rocket and shot himself? No, up? Oh, Mad Mike, 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 take it easy. Is that what you were looking for? I will say that after we read about the Brazilian priest uh, that went off into the stratosphere and then didn't come back till a couple months later when they found his lower half on an oil barge thing out and out at sea or whatever, Ty Ty Schmidt did immediately say. We might have a Mad Mike situation here. <laughs> yeah. We might have a Mad Mike situation. So once we found out that there was a potential death in a death-defying stunt, I think it heightened it a little bit for us. But I'll, that next 30 minutes was kind of boring. Until we got up to 24,000 feet, they were like, damn, that's pretty cool. Here we go. Um, but it, this is just like, no, it's not. I will not compare him to that sellout. No, no, Nick no, no. Nick Willenda. I, oh, I, I, I hate this. that guy. Like, I'm sure he's a good guy. I mean, he, he, he reads, might not be. He, who knows? He might be a prick. He's a scammer. He's, he's, yeah. That guy, there's zero thought that that guy's going to die in there. They promote it as death defying. It's like, no, it's not. The guy's going to bungee jump over Niagara Falls or a volcano, which is cool. I think there's like, 100,000 kids on the internet that would love to do what he's doing and then I'm forced to watch it because it's happening and you can't take your eyes off it and then by the end of it you're like fucking hate that guy but I don't feel like that towards David Blaine but yesterday did feel a little uneventful because he's so good yeah. he's so good he is good quick question before we go if that guy got that priest or whatever in Brazil that strapped himself to a balloon and took off and they found his lower body yeah. on some oil rig out in the sea, mm-hmm. how do you identify the body just from the lower half? Then uh, the clothes he was wearing is how they identified him. Really? Four yeah. months later? Like, hey, I think Three there was a dude. Remember that guy yeah, that like strapped himself to a balloon? Maybe this is his legs. Yeah, I don't know. Who, 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 well. who had an eye out, too? He was like, all right. For the next three months, let's keep an eye out. We don't know where he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Dockers? Yeah, I think he was wearing blue jeans, maybe. There's a bunch of balloons still in his pocket. Oh, come on. <laughs> what? Diggs, you're so stupid. So you felt good about that one, though? No. Yeah. Yeah. You did. You did. 
I don't feel good about anything I do. Shea Patterson jersey, so sweet. It's so not sweet. Shea Patterson. It's Charles Woods Patterson. Have a little respect. AJ, we'll see you, Mignana. We're back tomorrow at noon. This has been the Pat McAfee Show and McAfee and Hawk. We can't thank you enough. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend. If you didn't, just act like it never happened. Big thanks to Lane Kiffin. Hey. Kiffin ain't easy, bait. We got a chance to talk to him. Learned a lot about him. Terrell Davis, Philip Rivers, AJ Hawk, and all of you. You're the best. Uh, we'll see you manana. That's the show. It was a good one. A long one. <laughs> but that's the show. The greatest sports talk show on the internet. From one to two recent standard time. So come on down for a mental vacation with the boys on YouTube Live. It's McAfee and Hawk. McAfee and Hawksworth's talk. AJ used to tackle quarterbacks, and he's a Rust Belt kind of guy. That's the punter of the decade for the 2010s, kicking pierce missiles to the sky. It's McAfee and Hawk. It's McAfee and Hawksworth's talk. It's McAfee and Hawk. Is he on? He's getting ready. <laughs> Is that connecting? What does that mean? Oh, he's getting comfy. He's getting his chair right now. Hey, Coach. How you doing? Coach. Hey, guys. How we doing? Oh. There he is. Ladies and gentlemen, joining yeah. us now, head coach for the Ole Miss football team, University of Mississippi. Ladies and gentlemen, legendary Lane Kiffin. Yeah! yeah! Let's go! <laughs> Let's go! Yeah! Legendary. Feel you are, good. Hey, you are legendary, Lane. I mean, legit, you you know that, I would assume, at this point, that everybody that knows anything about football knows of Lane Kiffin. Everybody that knows anything about football has an opinion on Lane Kiffin. And I want to let you know, I can't wait to chat with you right now because I have looked on as a spectator, as a fan of Lane Kiffin. Well, thank you. You're, you're one of the few that I think are fans. <laughs> I think they do watch. <laughs> well, okay, so let's talk about that. When did you stop caring about what anybody thought? Was that early in your coaching career? Did you learn that from your dad that you can't take anything serious? Or, or did that happen throughout some of your trials and tribulations wherever you were? Well, I think initially I did, like I would guess most people did um, or do. And then you just kind of get numb to it, you know, after you go through a number of things. And I just, I don't know when I figured it out, but I just figured out like, all right, I, I can't. You know, I used to, when I was young, read, read the articles about you and what they say and all that, you know, the next day after a game and all the same, you know, just figured out, all right, that, that don't matter. You know, you can't please the outside people and, and quit worrying about it. You know, worry about what matters, which are the people internally that you work with and, and that you coach. By the way, that's every profession, I would assume, that has any sort of spotlight on it goes through that. I remember being very upset that people hated me. And then 27 death threats happened. I was like, well, fuck everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean, coach? That's, you got to do that, coach. Okay, I take it we're on cable. Yeah, 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 yeah we're good. We're on the internet. We're on the internet, okay. Coach. Yeah. All right. Um, how pumped for you to get back into the SEC? I mean, obviously it's different down there, but now you're getting a chance to go back in there with a team that has a quarterback that is a freak athlete. I got a chance to watch him last year at the Egg Bowl and that team that was really, I think it was playing great football and very young. How pumped for you to get back into the SEC, especially with that team? Well, it wasn't just about getting back to the SEC. Um, you know, it was making sure that, that the job was a good fit and that you could win. And um, it was easy for me because I remember at Ole Miss from at Alabama, we only lost two regular season games the three years that we were there. And they were both to Ole Miss. So in, 
And so it wasn't one of these like, oh, come take it a place that's never won, you know, five years ago, won the Sugar Bowl. So it was a place I'd seen firsthand. My brother was a D-line coach here at the time too. So um, I'd been to the town and visited it before and stuff. And so I knew there was a formula here to win. We just had to get it back. I heard, I heard it's a great place. I heard Dante Moncrief went there, and he was one of my teammates for a long time. And uh, he talked about how he loved going to school there. Everybody seems to enjoy the, the culture and environment down there. Yeah, it really is. I think I saw something, you know, that we put out on social media the, the other day, um, you know, number one college town in America. And so um, well, it, it really is a neat place. And the people are, all, like most of the South, the people are amazing and awesome and, and so friendly. So um, it's, it's good to be back. I would assume Morgantown, West Virginia, just <laughs> wasn't allowed to be a part of that conversation. I would, I would just assume that was the case, Lane. Um, there, was there ever a thought that football season was going to be affected by you in the SEC? Because I think Greg Sankey came out very early, and he was like, hey, we're going to delay. We're going like, to kind of let the facts come in a little bit more, see what we can learn. And then the Big Ten, well, Ivy League, I guess, comes in first, and they postpone. Then the Big Ten, then the Pac-12. Was there ever a thought in the SEC coach's mind uh, that this was potentially not going to happen, or were you guys understanding that the SEC was going to make something happen regardless? No, I think I think there were times that, that we didn't think it was going to happen. Or I'll speak for myself. There were times that I didn't. Uh, I thought when it you know first started, I was like, "There's no way," you know, because we didn't know everything we know now. And I was, "How are we going to ever do meetings?" You know, if everybody's going to get it. You know, and we used to think that everybody got it no matter what. You know, if you were around people. So um, I did not think for a while it would because I didn't understand. You know, at first it was like, "Well, so if the quarterback gets it, all the quarterbacks going to get shut down." You know, for um, tracing. And so how would you ever play? And then all of a sudden you're in the middle of the week. And certainly in the NFL, I didn't think was going to play because, you know, you got 53, 53 guys. You got some people have two quarterbacks and you know, some have three. So if they get shut down, what are you going to do? Um, so, but obviously we've learned a lot more since then. What have been the protocols to, and what have you guys learned that that won't happen? Because I feel like that is still a thought that, me as an outsider who's not in the building kind of thinks because you see what happened to the Marlins in the Marlins situation where they got 22 people got it and that's allegedly because of two guys making one mistake and then <laughs> it kind of spreading rather quickly what is the 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 protocols that is like hey if one person gets it let's make sure that everybody else doesn't get it because I think from the outside looking in I assume that was the case as well which is what you guys thought before you got into the protocols yeah they're still going back and forth on that as of now um you know if you if you have contact, you know, that they deem that you had, you know, too much time within six feet, you know, you're shut down for 14 days. And so we're going through that now, you know, we'll get, we'll get a test in the, back in the morning and, you know, a safety will be down and then they'll talk to him and talk to the people around him and shut down two or three more. You got practice in an hour. So, you know, <clears throat> this isn't a hundred percent, you know, there's, we still got a ways to go to, to get through this because there are some teams right now in the SEC, um, you know, I heard from two coaches today that there's no way they could play if they had a game this week. That's alarming, I think, because what we're only like a week and a half, yeah, week and a half out, two weeks out, whatever it is for the SEC. What is the is it testing multi times a week? Like what what have been the because we get a chance to see hard knocks the first couple episodes where they show the guys getting tested every time they go in there, and then in the locker room there's like plexiglass between it. It's like hockey boards and every single thing. Then there's Zoom calls and spread out meetings. Is that how you guys have been operating as well? Similar, um, you know, not quite as much stuff, but um, we are similar. Uh, we're spaced out. You know, we do, you know, 
multiple meetings for like special teams. Um, you know, defense goes in, then offense goes in. We got to repeat the meetings and and do a lot of stuff out in the, the indoor, so they're spread out. Um, so <clears throat> it's still got a ways to go. You know, I mean, we got all kinds of issues still. You know, talk about air, airplanes and travel to the game and the buses to the airport and and they're going to test three times a week and you get tested on Friday and you have it. Well, isn't the whole row with you and the row in front and the row behind going to get shut down? So there's, there's still some obstacles here. How do you focus on making 18 to 23 year olds, sometimes 17, I guess coming in, focus on getting better at football while also stressing to them how much they have to worry about standing too close to their, one of their best friends all the time. How, how does that even, how do you balance that? That has to be quite a task, I assume. Well, we, we got more issues than professional sports. You know, they're more mature, and for the most part, their point sounds like they're kind of on lockdown. You know, we, we got a whole other issue that our kids leave us. They do well around us, you know, for a couple hours a day, and then they're out in the streets. You know, they're in class. They're, you know, at restaurants and stuff. And the problem is, in general, you know, not just – Kids, look at adults. Adults don't really social distance. When I mean, you look at, at the internet all day, or you see you see things, or drive downtown. Adults aren't doing it, so so kids certainly aren't. So you know they've got to do their best to do it, even though most of the students they're around, they're not doing it. Lane, what a situation you're in. Hey, hey, go coach football, Lane. <laughs> yeah, go yeah. coach football, Lane. Go, do- hey, go coach football. By the way, you had no spring practice, so you couldn't work with your players. Okay, and now we don't—we actually don't have a training camp because everything is pushed back. Everyone's in school now for the most part, so we only have them a couple hours a day. But hey, make sure you go beat Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> what did you? Let's let's talk about Alabama. Obviously, coaching down there is something that a lot of people do. Whether it's either in between head coaching gigs or before head coaching gigs, if you go there, you're going to get a head coaching job. There was always like this interesting kind of narrative about you and Saban's relationship. What did you take away from your time at Alabama, and what do you carry into your day to day from there? You mean you mean at uh, the rehab university? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody. Yeah. You go there for rehab, you get fixed, and then they, you know, good behavior. <laughs> I, I wasn't great behavior. I had to go three years. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn at rehab, coach? Um, really, seriously though, he um, really to be more of a CEO. You know, I was always X's and O's, and always worried about that, and and. Um, you know, spent all my time on that and, and recruiting, obviously. But, you know, he does everything. And so nothing happens in that building. Nothing happens on offense, defense, special teams he doesn't know about. Um, and he just does a phenomenal job of, you know, getting everybody on the same page. And, and, you know, every day, no matter whether it's July or whatever it is, is about Alabama football and how he can make it better. So whenever you know that you're back in the same conference, and I would assume the expectations – at Ole Miss is, hey, we want to be the top of the SEC. To do that, you have to beat Alabama. What does your team have to do, you think, to get back into the prominence of the SEC? Not that it hasn't been for, you said, five years ago when a Sugar Bowl, but what does the Ole Miss team have to do to continue to grow to get back into that? Well, there's obviously work to be done. They don't, you know, jobs don't come open, you know, and, and people get fired because everything's perfect. So, um, you know, we've got some roster issues with some depth issues. Um, now, when we looked at the job compared to some other jobs, um, you know, one of the big thing was there's some really good youth, as you mentioned, on offense, um, you know, some receivers, you know, an elite, elite quarterback, um, the starting running back was a true freshman in that class also. So 
there are some really good players here, especially young, but we've got a lot of work to do to to build it to where it's, you know, a championship program. You know, so now your rosters look like, you know, Alabama or, or Auburn or LSU. You said when you were looking there as opposed to other places in comparison, did you ever think about getting back into the NFL or, or is it always you feel like college is your home, you think? I do. I enjoy it a lot more. Um, you know, a lot of coaches like the NFL more, you know, because you got so much time in the off season and stuff like that. Well, um, I, I, don't, I don't care about that. I, I really like the changes. <laughs> I mean, um, I like the change of season. So you do football, then you got recruiting, you know, and you're working with younger kids. And the, the one thing I didn't like about the NFL, as you would know, is I felt like, you know, 15 minutes after the game, you could walk in a locker room, you know, after the coach was done talking, and you really couldn't tell if they won or lost. Business. I understand that because there's so many games and it's a business, but it's so cool in college, you know. You got kids crying after losses and stuff. Like, I mean, it's so cool. And remember, in the NFL, when you're drafted, they choose you. You don't choose them. So you don't really have a passion for the place you play, like the city, you know, the team. You know, you develop that, but you don't have that. Well, you choose your college. So the kids in general, a lot of times, choose somewhere they grew up wanting to play and have a passion for. So it just means more. Man, I never even thought of that. Never even thought. By the way, this is probably uh, why you do well everywhere is because if you can paint a hell of a picture. (laughs) Lane, you're talking about learning from from Alabama and Saban to be more of a CEO. But you obviously your, your career has been on the offensive side of the ball, being an offensive coordinator. So how hard is it as the CEO to give up some responsibilities as far as like calling plays and stuff like that are you always going to call plays no i've given up some of that um and that you you really can't you really have to if you're going to do everything and i think when you do that you connect with your other players better on the other side but you also manage the game better you know when i was calling as the head coach like all the plays and doing it all myself you know I'm over there making adjustments while the defense is out on the field i may not even see a penalty that happened or see something that i can help them with you know so um, I think that you, that you do a lot better job this way. Uh, game situations are such a underrated part of a talent of a head coach or not, like uh, clock management, timeout management, everything like that. I mean, there is – there's some coaches are really good at it, and some coaches <laughs> are really bad at it. And, and I would assume if you're calling plays, you can't be as dialed in on making the right decision for the entire team because all you're worried about is how this offense is going to do. That's, that's probably a big decision, though, for you to kind of let up the reins on that. I would assume that was a pretty – that's tough to make. Yeah, but like you said, the game management, now, as you said, there's good and bad. I mean, there's some really bad game managers. In college, (laughs) people get away with it. I've never understood this. I see things that blow my mind, and in college, they get away with it. In the NFL, I mean, you get killed in the NFL. (laughs) Press conference afterwards and the papers the next day or something. You know, I mean, they're on it. But I don't know why that is in college. They really – the announcers kind of let it go and – the media does too. So, um, but obviously, it's a value. I mean, you're a win or lose one or two games a year based off of if you know what to do in every single situation, and if you practice those things with your team, not just know what to do. Your entire life, you knew you were going to be a coach. I did. Um, <clears throat> I just always, when I grew up, I looked at the game different. You know, I'm not saying I didn't want to be an NFL player, but when I watched the game, I was most intrigued by the coaches because I was watching. Here's some, some old guy on the sidelines. You know that he's affecting the outcome of the game based off of what he's choosing to do. And that just was like so cool to me that you could outthink the other guy. So you're going to be the old guy on the sideline? That's going to be you at some point? 
Well, this isn't like my fifth head coaching job. So I <laughs> <laughs> hey, I went through the Wikipedia. I went through the Wikipedia, and I'll tell you what, that song bitch is long. I mean, it is a long one, but it feels like you feel like you're in a, like the perfect spot for you right now. I, I do. Um, and so my career kind of went backwards from, you know, what it normally does. And so, you know, I think what happens when you do that, you get so much so early you know, you make mistakes, but you're making them on the national stage. Yeah. If you're a head coach in the NFL or you're at USC or Tennessee, where most people are making those mistakes, you know, at whatever, you know, Coach Saban at Toledo or something, making those mistakes. And then you learn it, you know, and then you finally get the big job. So I kind of went backwards on that. So, um, but valuable lessons. And I mean, how can you have better experience to be all those different places and work with all those different players and coaches? It's, it's really, it's really awesome. I resilient is something that I would describe you as because I think there was like three different times where you were pronounced dead by everybody. I, I think everybody. The USC thing is a story that got blown up because of how it went, and everybody was like, "Well, he'll never get a coach. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead." And then now here you are, years later, feel mature, feel better than you've ever felt. That's a pretty cool. That's a pretty cool little arc that you have going on in your life right now. Yeah, it really is. You know, um, there's a book I refer to, Obstacles Away by Ryan Holiday. And, and he sent it to me when I got to know him. And it's exactly that. Like, something you think may be horrible at the time, which I thought, like, I thought I was dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> fired on a tarmac at 3, 3.14 in the morning or something like that. I don't make you feel real good. <laughs> That's tough. Oh, and by the way, you're three and two. It ain't like you're 0 and 5. You know, <laughs> you scholarship players and you get whacked. <laughs> But really what, what you figure out later on is, hey, if that didn't happen, as hard as it was, I would have never went to Alabama and learned from Coach Saban, you know, for those three years. So you, you never know. You know, horrible things happen that you think at the time is maybe the best thing. I agree. I got arrested at like uh, 4.05 a.m. or something like that for an alleged incident. Public intoxication, yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly swam. Definitely drunk. I mean, so <laughs> I mean, you kind of got to balance it out there. What's up, Connor? Uh, yeah, Coach, uh, Pat mentioned the Egg Bowl early on, and that's your guys' rival of Mississippi State, who also have a new coach in Mike Leach. And earlier on, he actually pulled your mask <laughs> off at a press conference. Was that the beginning of the rivalry? And did you talk any shit to him after? No, because that's just him. That's like, what he does? That's weird. As you know. So I walked up. I hadn't seen him like for a year or something. And he just pulls my mask, and but you realize that's just like that's Leechy. That's what he does. So um, he's an interesting character. I call. I call him when I call him. You know, check in on him. He's always just like in Key West. I'm like, don't we like have a game in a couple? Weeks? <laughs> He like, was, yeah, that practice things over practice is overrated. He was he was supposed to come on our show and uh, he called in two and a half hours late, right? It was two and a half hours late and just hey, I'm here for the show or whatever. Like, <laughs> oh, it was supposed to be like literally like three hours ago, coach. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, we gotta reschedule. <laughs> it was it was legendary, obviously. Uh, as are you. I can't thank you enough for joining us today, Coach. What do you got today? Are we in the middle of training camp right now? Are we in the middle of practices? Yeah, we're in the middle of practices. Um, we actually, today's a day off uh, with players. Um, you know, they got different rules now because we're 25 practices over 40 days. So they have mandatory days off in there. So, um, you know, they have a day off and we're taking some of them and some coaches over with some local police um, to go have a meeting. And, nice. Uh, today. So just getting then get ready for practice tomorrow. How do you, how do you feel real, I don't want to say a burden, but responsibility to do something like that? 
uh, with your players going to meet with the police to make actual change as opposed to just talking about it. I feel like that is something that you, especially because college football is a place where it brings all cultures together. I mean, college football is a place that I went into that locker room and I learned more about life in the world in that locker room than I think anybody who doesn't get a chance would ever learn in their entire life to get in that locker room. I would feel like with the world that we're in, there's a real responsibility amongst you and the staff to be like, hey, we should probably enact some real change. Yeah, there is. This one's part to make sure that, you know, we marched the other day that, you know, the local police understand that wasn't about them. You know, we don't we don't have those issues here in Oxford. Um, you know, with police. So it was about things going on around the country. So to make sure that they, they understand, they hear from us and hear from the players. Yeah, it's always, you know, I hope the world becomes the perfect place, but man, there's always going to be a couple assholes. I just hope we can weed them out, especially from a position of power. I think that would make a lot of things better. But coach, I appreciate you so much. You are the man. Hope to get to talk to you again. Can't wait to see how you balance these protocols. It should be great. <laughs> Go win some games, beat Alabama. Head coach, Lincoln. <laughs> Cool guy. Great. Cool guy. Yeah. We like Lane. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We like sure. Lane. We like Lane. Oh, yeah. So somebody called out. What was it called? A, called a going to rehab? Yeah. Bam's well, rehab. Then you hear he, he was talking about how he was thrown in the deep end, basically, right? Like he was thrown yeah. in the deep end. I, I'm learning these things that, where Nick Saban? Toledo. He even said, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, he even said, where Nick Saban? Oh, Toledo. That's right. That's where he learned where he was supposed to do what he was supposed to do. Good for that guy. He was pronounced dead. Oh, yeah. Numerous times. He said, said, I thought I was dead. 318 in the morning or something like that on tarmac. Would have loved to know him during his Robert Downey Jr. years, though, before Bama. I mean, I'm sure he (laughs) was full of it. Yeah. You know, sometimes you get humbled by things. Maybe I assume that has probably happened to him. But if you're that young and you get thrown into a head coaching gig at where? Tennessee, USC, and the Raiders? He started with Oakland, and then he did Tennessee, USC. Then he went to Bama, then FAU. How old was he? Was he in his 20s or was he in his early 30s? He's 45 now. And Oakland was 2007, so it was 13 years, 32-ish. Wow. That's like, right? I mean, that's Sean McVay. Yeah, younger than McVay. That's why I'm very surprised that McVay's been able to handle it all because he's so young to go to the top so fast. But I would assume that that 31 years old. 31 was the one who got hired. I mean, if you have a little... You know, if you have a little swag, which I assume Lane Kiffin had, and you're a head coach at 31, it'd be hard probably not to be like, yeah, fuck everybody, basically. Yeah. Which I heard he was like. And now he's kind of grown through all that, growing pains, and now he's on his up and go. Maybe I hope that Ole Miss does well. I like Lane Kiffin there. And when, when he got hired from Oakland, like he had never been a head coach before. He was just the OC at USC. So he just went straight from the OC at USC to, for one year, to Oakland Raiders. By the way, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. Cliff yeah, Kingsbury. Now he was offense coordinator for a long time. Down there in Texas, Tech. And head coach. What's that? He was head coach too, right? Yeah, he was a head coach. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're 100% right. What, what about a coordinator in college? That The closest thing to that would be what old LaFleur, who was just coordinator yeah. for Tennessee, and yeah. wasn't even on a thing. He becomes head coach. But he was still in the NFL, so he had dealt with the grown men before. Has anybody else who's just been a college offensive coordinator go straight to head coach? What I'd assume not. Tomlin's Definitely story. not at that Tomlin age was a defense. He was on the Vikings. defensive staff for the uh, Vikings. NFL, and, okay. yeah. yeah, he was... I mean, that's crazy to hire a 31-year-old, too, if he's never had any head coaching experience before coaching an NFL team. That's I mean, that is, that is a roll of the dice. Yeah. That is a roll it's of the dice. It's Oakland, baby. Yeah. All right. Let's Ball, at that point, what are we doing? Just doing so check down? Hey, join us now. A man who is a two-time, two-time Super Bowl champion. 
He's a Super Bowl MVP, NFL MVP, three-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, two-time NFL Offensive Player of the Year. He's a member of the All-Decade Team, Broncos Ring of Honor, and founder of Defy Performance, incredible CBD sports drinks. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us, the founder of the Mile High Salute, Terrell Davis. What's up, gentlemen? What's up? Uh, Hey, man, what what time was our call this morning? Somebody told me 11 o'clock. No, we Wait, were okay. we were told one thirty. I was about to just ask you what time does this one thirty call start. I was literally about to ask you what time does this one thirty call. I was, I know, <laughs> Pat. That's what I say to my my family and my wife. I'm like, hey, what time is that ten uh, thirty call? What time is that nine o'clock meeting? Supposed to be having? Um, I was just preparing myself some nice egg whites. Ooh. I was preparing myself a little turkey bacon. Oh. Little protein shake here. Oh. I'm just trying to get my protein intake up this morning, gentlemen. And then I just finished off a nice cold Defy Zero. That's what you need after you walk Yeah. Woo. Gotta put that in your system. Now, what flavor of Defy Zero did you top off that incredible protein meal with? I had the lemonade this morning. Oh, oh that's our favorite. Oh, yeah. The lemonade's our favorite, TD. Yeah, the lemonade this morning. Um,. Running back is a terrible position to be in right now, especially when it comes business-wise. Now, football game-wise, running backs are always going to matter, especially in games that are important. important. Run the ball, stop the run is all that matters in December, January, and February. Everybody thinks it's the other way around, which potentially it is because Patrick Mahomes had success, but they have to have a running game to do that. Alvin Kamara, obviously a topic of conversation I'd like to talk to you about, but I want to talk to you about Leonard Fournette's mindset. Leonard Fournette gets cut from a team that was a sinking ship, but whenever we start thinking about Leonard Fournette's career. First year had a hell of a year. Second year he was hurt for half the season. Last year had 1,700 yards accounted for 31% of the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. It feels like Leonard Fournette's only getting better. Now he's going to a team where every practice matters, every rep matters, every film study matters. Everything matters that they're going for the Super Bowl as opposed to Jacksonville. Is that something you think that could potentially elevate Leonard Fournette to be an even better player than he's already becoming? And he's on a contract year. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, think about it. When he was in Jacksonville, you know, um, he just wasn't surrounded by a lot of, you know, talent, at least recently, right? They yeah. started to kind of get rid of the roster. Uh, he was with Bortles, you know, a couple of years. Uh, last year, they just had quarterbacks. Gardner Minshew, obviously, uh, is now taking over as, as the head quarterback. But Fortnette has kind of been the, the bell cow. He's been the work workhorse. And the offense has always gone through him, and it seems like they haven't designed or gotten him a lot of help on the outside or try to get more a more of an explosive offense. Now you go to a place where you're not that you're not the main focus. You know, when they play a team, you play Jacksonville, it's stop Leonard Fournette. That's it's always been that way. Well now, and this is this is almost criminal and 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 how they, they can allow this to happen. I remember the commissioner of the NBA uh-huh. <laughs> when there was a Chris Paul trade, and he jumped in and said, "Nope, we're not allowing him to go to the Lakers because it just well, for whatever reason." I get it. Leonard Fournette was released; he cleared waivers, and he was able to sign with the Tampa Bay Bucks. But wow, man, the, <laughs> the, the, the embarrassment of, of talent and riches that they have right now, it's, it's incredible, you know? And so his role, and he's a young back, he's only 25 years old, he's only played three years, you know? So he's not like an old back that's been, you know, is in his eighth or ninth year. Leonard Fournette is in his prime right now, and you got him, LaShawn McCoy, 
Um, Ronald you Jones. Still, you know, a Ronald Jones who it seems to be coming around. What, what this allows them to do, Pat, and you know this more than anybody, this mm-hmm. allows them to be able to be able to play multiple games. Brady's used to having an offense in New England that morphed every single week. They, they, their game plan was based off their opponent. Sometimes you see the Patriots run it 40 times a game. Sometimes they'll throw it 50 times a game. Mm. Now you got Tampa Bay who have not only the game plan, but they got the pieces. They got the pieces that are going to allow them to execute their game plan. I can't wait, man. I can't lie. I can't wait. Well, it's just like if you think about the Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs last year, they have so many weapons, and Andy Reid was just on a dry erase board, just like drawing up (laughs) plays. It feels like Bruce Aaron's going to be able to do that with Tom Brady's mindset, with Tom Moore, who's there, Clyde Christensen. I mean, they have a great coaching staff. Now they have a great team. A lot of people have a lot to prove, chips on their shoulders somehow, they're chasing rings, whatever it is. I mean, it feels like those two are potentially on paper on a collision course. Um, Real quick, before we continue, is that your head above your head? (laughs) Right there? That's a good buzz. That is my head above my head. Oh, what a flex. That is, that, yeah, that's, that, that is the, that's the bust right there. That is, is that's this, my guy I talk to every morning. I was about to say, is this the yeah. living room? Is this the office? Because I think that would just potentially be on I'm a cart next to me everywhere I go. I would have that thing everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's an, it's an office, man. I just broke him out. He was in a box for the last uh, two years, two or three years. Poor guy. Yeah, I know. He wanted me to bring him out. So I was like, all right, I'll bring you out. I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you breathe a little bit, you know? Did you? There's some people whose busts are terrible. Do you like yours? You enjoy the way yours looks? You think it's pretty accurate? I, yeah, well, because when they had it done, my mom and my wife, they were uh, they were like on it. So the way it works is that once you, when you get it, um, you get in shrine, not in shrine, once you get inducted, they um they have the artist i guess they call him or the bus maker whatever the, the proper name would be right and they actually make it and then they show you they let you see it and they say well if you have any comments do you want to make any corrections then you can do it and so they come out and they you know you stand there for a couple of hours and my wife was in the room and my mom was in the room when they were doing it my wife was in the room first and then the second once they they did it and then they had a, they have like three or four different you know times where they make these adjustments so long story short yes i like it um it looks 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 pretty accurate to me hey uh, there is some bad ones what is that cristiano ronaldo, ronaldo oh, yeah Dion sanders i think is is not great I, I think that one is one that people say does not look anything like it but if you have a bust that means you've you know you've done pretty good I think it's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all right. Yeah. Do you think? <laughs> do you think Alvin Kamara and the Saints are going to be able to figure it out down there? That is an interesting situation because next off season, there's like 13 premier running backs that are all going to be free agents. So you saw Dalvin Cook try to get an extension. You're seeing Alvin yep. Kamara try to get an extension. Leonard Fournette just signed for one year, so he remains on the free agent list for next year. I don't think he has any leverage, and I hate that. I like whenever players have leverage. But in that particular situation, I think Alvin Kamara has literally got no situation. He's just got to hope that the Saints do right by him and give him an extension. Yeah, Pat, I, it's, it's unfortunate. We just saw Joe Mixon get paid mm-hmm. uh, as well. Uh, the other day and the numbers listen i'm not going to look at a contract and say 12 million dollars a year is nothing i mean it please believe i'd love to make 12 million, <laughs> 12 million a year all right so that's that's just me on the couch 
Um, but when you look at it in terms of kind of the um, the market and where running backs should be, you know, I think Christian McCaffrey signed for an average of sixteen million a year. Um, then you had um, Derrick Henry. I think he's averaging around is it fourteen? Yep. Yeah, and only twenty three millions guaranteed though over the next two years. Yeah. So these these contracts aren't you're not going to see the big long contracts anymore. I just I think those days of, of running backs getting long contracts are over. I think it's trying to get as much as you can up front. But back to Alvin Kamara's situation, yeah. I mean, I I, I hope you're right. You know, uh, hopefully the team is is looking at it saying, hey, you know, we we value you, we appreciate what you what you've done for us and what you're going to do for us, and we're going to do right by you and be able to get him what he wants. It sounds like they're that they're 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 getting closer to the size agreeing on a number. I don't know what that number is. But um maybe like Dalvin Cook, like he's still battling with his his situation. So it's it's messy, man. Did you ever it's have any did you, did you ever any messy negotiations whenever you were out there? Because you're like Mr. Denver, it feels like. You are Mr. <clears throat> Bronco. I mean this thing is still played I think what <laughs> 16 times a year or whatever yep. for the Denver Broncos. And yes. if, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think you were a first-round draft pick. I think you kind of had to come no. in and earn your way special teams. Did you get any negotiation ugliness uh, throughout your time out there in Denver? I, I did not, um, thank God. Yeah. So you, you're right. I was a six-round draft pick, and what happened after my first year, I was a six-round draft pick, and Mike Shanahan and Pat Bowling, and it was John Beek at the time, came to me after my first year, and they wanted to redo my deal. Um, so that, that was perfect. I didn't have to hold out or anything because I was I I didn't expect them to do that. So after my first year, they, they redid my contract, and then after my fourth year, after my after we had won uh, the second Super Bowl, they came they came to me again, and we re, redid the deal again. So oh uh, yeah, um, so the Super Bowls kind of blend together, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the Super Bowls kind of blend together, huh? Yeah, that's kind of yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. One, two. I mean, yeah. who's counting? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Dude. <laughs> I actually saw this week and had no idea that Anthony Lynn was on those Super Bowl teams. Like, so when like you have a, a team like that who turns into a head coach, did you ha- did you guys when you play with them have any idea that like that that's what they aspired to? Like that that he was going to be a head coach someday? No, heck no, <laughs> no. That there, there was there was no there was zero indication that he would have been a head coach. I mean, <laughs> a, a coach. I had no indication that he even wanted to coach until he had retired and then he became the running backs coach i believe his first team was the cleveland browns and then or maybe it was the dallas cowboys um yeah but that, until then no uh yeah and people always asking about like did you know he was a coach i was like no nah, not really I, I didn't i didn't see he never he never told anybody he wanted to be a coach and i don't even think he knew it at the time to be honest with you i think coaching as a matter of fact from what i understand is that when bill parcells brought him in uh, and kind of told him he had a job for him. I don't think Anthony Lynn told him he wanted to be a coach. I think Parcell saw something in him and was like, "Hey, I got a got job for you. Uh, you know, Romeo Cornell is in Cleveland. We're gonna give you know. I want you to go work for him." And so I think that kind of got him started. He's been awesome to learn about. On- he's, ph- he's phenomenal, man. Yeah. I, lo- I love the uh, the the hard knocks. I-, I love that, man. I like watching that kind of getting the uh, personalities of, of the players if you're not around them and it just takes me back to that moment man Pat, you know that locker yes. room is precious it, it, it's it's a place you can't recreate outside of sports and when when you're gone and you're not there anymore 
it's the one thing that most players tell you they miss. They miss that environment. They miss joking around with the players, going to a, a specific place and just having your time with your buddies, put in the work, and then I've, ultimately you're trying to fight for a common goal. But it's the, it's the times off the field in the locker room when uh, are the most memorable times that I can think of. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of ex-players like Hard Knocks more than the public does. I mean, it seemed, the public, it, I guess nobody's watching. I'm not happy. I am not no happy. No one's not watching it? Wait, no one's watching Hard Knocks? I get um, That is, I don't know. Unfortunately. I literally, I don't think so. Yeah, if you, every time I, so the way I gauge things is if I tweet about it or talk about it, what's the reaction? Like, or, or the same right. amount of people. And this year, more so than any other, there's been not, so like, I literally, wow. it, yeah, it's kind of become a, bu- a buzzkill. You, you would think this would be the year because, there is not – I mean, there's there's more live programming coming back online, but you would think more than any year that more people are watching television, um, at, at least watching some type of – some form of – Sport. Uh, reality TV, right? Yeah. Like, that's associated with sports and, and none? Okay. Well, I, guess, I mean, everybody's saying you're watching on demand or whatever, but it still does not – I mean, I think the people that watch it love it, and then I think the people are like, ah, I kind of moved on from it. What are you doing TV-wise this fall? Are you still with NFL Network? Yeah, I'm with the network, and uh, <clears throat> we're doing everything from home uh, until they tell us differently. Oh, is that why Big Bus came out? Like, hey, you had to flex on uh, NFL Network there? That's right, because that's Hall of Fame <laughs> no, city over I'm there. Cha- I'm going to change that back. I'm going to change that. I'm no, <laughs> no, keep <laughs> him in there. Great. He deserves I'm to a, be I'm in a, there. I'm going to put something else back there. No, 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 no. Maybe the three Super Bowls. Maybe maybe he put the Super Bowl rings up there. Yeah, maybe, yeah maybe I'll put a Lombardi trophy back there. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That trophy's going to be renamed, by the way. It's going to be called the Belichick in, in, when he retires. They're going to take that name because that, really? that man is. Hey, best coach of all time, huh? No questions asked. Yeah. So the question to me is like, what happens if they, if let's say Tampa wins it. Not Tampa, excuse me. New England wins the Super Bowl this year. It, to me, there has to be, they have to forget the bylaws of the five-year waiting period to name. Yeah. He'd be the first active coach that didn't have to go through the five-year waiting period. They'd, they'd have to change the bylaws of the Pro Football Hall of Fame and put that man in a Hall of Fame right now. Hey, he, if the Patriots – no, they have to win it. If the Patriots go to the playoffs, <laughs> they need to go ahead and change that. Well, I think so, all of – I don't think Bill Belichick would accept it if it just happened no. after a playoff. And I feel like that is why the man is the man. He's just – it feels like he's always cooking. And now that the dynasty is releasing some information, that book that was released yesterday about Tom and uh, uh, Bill's relationship and how, you know, he was called fucking Johnny Foxborough is what they said that you called him up what? there. Yeah, they, they, there's a new book out there, a guy named Jeff Benedict, who is a bit long-winded if you talk to him in person, but I guess his books are awesome. We had him on the show yesterday, TD. It was, I mean, it was... Wow. It, it was tough. But the book <laughs> is uh, detailing the relationship between Bill and Tom and Kraft having to, uh, the dynamic of it all. And he literally coached Tom as if he was a rookie, and he coaches everybody as if they're rookies all the way up until like his 20th year, six Super Bowls later. And the fact that he's able to do that, get people to buy in, and it, now if he does it in a completely different fashion with a new offense, I would assume, with Cam Newton because he's going to be able to utilize whatever Cam Newton's strengths are, I think the people who are doubters of him would have to come around and be like, yeah, son of a bitch is good. I mean, he's the greatest yeah. of all time. The guy's the greatest of all time. He's so good at coaching football. 
Do you know? Do you, I, I don't know anybody who doubts the man. Do you? Do you have? You oh. know anybody who doubts? Yeah, yeah. You got to remember here in Indianapolis, yeah. there's a lot of people that hate him. I mean, oh, they, oh. oh yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh, they'll, a lot of they'll, people. They'll, they'll point to all the the videotape. Yeah, they'll they'll point to the the oh, yeah. flake gates nah, and all the yeah. you know yeah you know yeah. the the whatever the they whatever they've done and didn't get caught doing I guess is what people will point to say well they're cheaters I'm like well. Hey, I know I tried to cheat. What was that? <laughs> Marty Bob. Hey, that was the people, by the way. That was the people. That might have been my, that might have been the, the bus. No, the bus didn't fall. So <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And I think that's why players and coaches who have been in the NFL have a much different view on Bill Belichick in those all those spy gates and everything like that. It's like, well, if any other team could have done it, I, they would have done it. Like that is that's kind of I think how a lot of players and coaches who've been in the NFL kind of view. They're like, uh, yeah, if. If we could have got away with that, we would have done that in a heartbeat. We just didn't think of it. No doubt. Yeah, that's no just doubt. the way it is. No doubt. I, I, I think we've all tried it. We try to. We've all tried to push push the envelope. Try to push the limits on, especially when it comes to like when they say like let's say the brain, the, the football thing. I, I I have no problems with that. Just because when we get ready to play a game, you see guys who cut their pads. Matter of fact, you're supposed to have pads in your pants. And there's a lot of guys who don't have pads in their pants. And so you don't think they have an advantage when it comes to speed and movement and how they feel? Yeah, you, you feel better. And so all linemen taping up their, their jerseys, putting Vaseline all on, their, on, their, on their, their arms. You know, there's all kind of techniques that players use on the field to gain an advantage so they feel better, so they can play better. A quarterback deflating the ball to where he feels like he can grip it. So what? Well, so what? I mean, I was like on that, that Colts team, TD. If those Dang, balls were I, fully inflated, hey, hold up, hold we up, don't lose Pat. by fifty. <laughs> hold up, but wait, Pat. If I recall that game, you guys were at the second half was worse than the first. Half. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. If I recall, hey, you know why? The beatdown was worse in the second half with a fully inflated football. Do you know why we hated that the Deflategate was carrying on for like two years uh, as Colts players? Because we were like, we don't think this is a big deal. We did not say anything about this. And now every single time it gets brought up, we just get reminded that in the AFC Championship game, we lost by 200 points. (laughs) If we could move on from this entire thing, it would be great. Nothing carried on for so, so, so long. Uh, TD, you think the Denver Broncos are going to win it all? No, I don't think they'll win it all. I think for them, it's taking steps. Uh, I, I do love where they are. I, I just love their how they retooled. I love Drew Locke. You know, this might be premature and my praise for him, but I, I've seen everything I need to see from a young quarterback, oh. a rising star, right? Mm. Um, it's, and then, listen, I'm not comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. Mm, it sure sounds like it. You, yeah. No, but, but, yeah. but here's, here's, what, here's what I am comparing him to Patrick is – that swag and that infectious personality, um, one where the players, they, they see it and they respond to it. When he takes the field and when he's back there, they're, they play different. They play differently when he was in there. And they know he's got the, he's got the physical talents to be able to execute and, and get them to football. And his, his confidence level is, is through the roof. He's, you know, he drives what well. he, he, he is. He's connected with them or he, he, on, on a level that's that's that to me is next level stuff. 
right? It's like it's it's already there. Like them cats when you talk, when you t- when you mention Drew Locke's name to any of those guys on that team, man, the first reaction you get is a smile. That's good, right? News. You get a you get a smile and a handshake, like man, and that's good. Now he's got a he's got to obviously grow in a, in a lot of departments, but that's just that's just being a young quarterback. You know, but he's football wise, he knows his stuff. He's been at Missouri, man. He played in all kinds of offenses and stuff and had to really learn. It seemed like an offense every single year. So the small sample size that I saw from him last year, I'm encouraged that that continues. And then you add all the weapons. You get, you know, Jerry Judy in the draft. You get KJ Hamler. You, you know, you have Noah Fant there. You still have Cortland Sutton. They're, 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 and then you give me Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. So they. They stack. They're stacking. Like, they're a young team too, Pat. They're they're young. So let's just you know. That's why I say I want to see another step this year. If they can get to to me ten wins this year, nine ten wins, I'm, then I'm I'm pleased to see them get nine or ten wins. That video of him rapping on the bench. Okay, he was yeah, yeah. As soon as I saw that video, everybody was like talking about how cool it was, and I was like, uh, that guy's got it. Like that, <laughs> that guy. Like, and it's I think it's exactly. it's viewing something differently. It's like if you're that comfortable, by the way, and you're you're that radiates through the locker room, like for everybody, and you can't really teach that type of thing. But as soon as I right. saw the video, I was like, oh, Drew Locke, like this guy's got it. Like, and then he answered, he's got it. it, and he didn't even know what happened. He said in the press conference afterwards, it's like that guy's got it, and I hope he figures yeah. it out. Yeah, I agree. He's being being himself, and and, and and no other position can have that impact on the team other than that one, which is because that's that's the one. So he's uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Go ahead, Dave. TD, have you heard anything how they're going to handle the uh, backfield with uh, Philip Lindsay and Melvin? Melvin Gordon? What I've heard was it's, it, it's probably going to be based off uh, kind of week to week deal. Um, and the reason is like, you know, Melvin's probably going to be the, the main guy because I think just from physically he he's you know he's bigger guy kind of kind of guy you start off with and you throw Philip Lindsay in the mix but it's probably going to dictate you know if if you get into a game and Melvin gets gets hot yeah he'll, he'll probably get the bulk of the touches if Philip Lindsay gets hot you know he 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 get the bulk of the touches but um, I know they certainly want to stretch the field they want to be a more explosive offense. Um, and that's why they brought in Pat Shermer to, to kind of get this offense to to be one that is that's that's that, you know you have to compete with the Kansas Cities of this world, and that's why you know the, the days of going defensively, uh, going defensive and saying we're gonna hold a team to twenty points. Uh, that strategy against Kansas City <laughs> may not work. So you, you got to fight, fight fire with fire, man. Well, time of possession does not matter. Bruce Aaron said it this morning. I don't care how long we got it. I just want to know what we're doing with it. That is all I care about. And I think everybody's viewing that, especially with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are loaded up. It's an offensive league. That's just the way it is. Can't thank you enough for you and your bust joining us today. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, founder man. of Defy Performance. Go to, go to drinkdefy.com, man, to support us. Hey, we're going to buy a bunch for the office mm-hmm. over here. Mm-hmm. I'll do that. There defi- you go. The Defy Zero is my, our favorite over here because, you know, I'm getting ripped up. I don't know right. if you know oh, that. I understand. I understand. I'm, t- I'm trying to get on that, too. Hey, oh, hey, oh, oh, hey, hey. Oh, ladies oh. and gentlemen, Terrell Davis. Thank you, Hall of Famer. See you, man. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show, for allowing us to penetrate your ear holes on my guests. Can't thank them enough for the conversation. To all the boys for their tireless work ethic. So, so thankful. Next week, we venture into a new journey with Sirius. 
This podcast will be moving to a daily podcast. We will not have a podcast uh, on Monday or Tuesday because of Labor Day. The boys and I are taking off because we're about to make a run through the fall. Five podcasts a week coming out from me. I'll be live on YouTube and Sirius, and we can't thank you enough for rocking with us. Uh, Have the best weekend you could possibly have under the conditions that we're currently in. And Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.